Hello, you're listening to Ending Physician Overwhelm, and I'm your host, Dr. Megan Mello. I'm a physician and a life coach for physicians and other professionals. In this podcast, we look at why, as physicians, we often get stuck in feelings of overwhelm, anxiety, and burnout, and how we can break out of toxic thought patterns. My hope is that each episode gives you an opportunity to heal and get more clear on how you want to show up in your life and your work. And now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to today's episode. I hope that uh, wherever you are listening to this, if you're listening to this in the summer of 2022, as it's being recorded, that you are uh, tolerating whatever your weather pattern is uh, here in the Pacific Northwest. It's been unusually hot, um, although for us, that's really only in the 90s, and uh, certainly it's much hotter in many, many parts of the country right now. So Um, hope that everyone listening is able to stay cool. And of course, if you're listening to this at a different time of the year, I hope the weather is temperate. Um, If you can hear a difference in my voice, that is because I am uh, recovered from COVID, but still with a bit of a cough. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, COVID, for giving me this sexy cough. Thankfully, uh, my case was mild and I'm feeling so much better. And so today we're going to jump right in here um, to talking about questioning your own thoughts. And I've been thinking about this because uh, my oldest son has just turned 10 a few months ago, and I can very much see that he has flipped into this pre-teenage brain that is working in a much different way. Uh, than his brain worked before. And along with that, I'm noticing that when he does something uh, wrong, when he tries something and it doesn't work, or when, um, you know, he and his brother are fighting, there is this immediate sort of inner dialogue that he, uh, as an extrovert, voices out loud. And he shares this thought pattern of really negative thoughts of a lot of self-judgment, um, a lot of misinterpretation of other people's intent. So for example, when his brother doesn't want to play a game with him, you know, he immediately jumps into this dialogue about how his brother never wants to play with them. And, uh, it's because of this and, oh, you don't trust me. And, oh, you don't want to play because you don't like me it's just this immediate sort of slog of thoughts. And, you know, as I, as I try as his mom to help him navigate that, I notice how, of course, that has shown up in my own life and how for such a long time, I was definitely in this state where I believed all of my thoughts. I didn't question them. And when we think about our human brains, we know that we have somewhere between 40 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Some of them rise to the level of consciousness and we're aware of them and others don't, but they're, they're there. 
And our thoughts create our feelings, right? Our emotional states. And so when we want to really start getting, you know, more clear on what our feelings are and, and, you know, really explore that and, and take a journey of, you know, starting to feel better, which, you know, has certainly been my process in getting involved with coaching work. Um, you know, as we do that, we necessarily need to become an observer of the thoughts in our brain. Similarly, anyone who's tried, you know, mindfulness meditation, uh, you know, may have had the experience of sitting down to try to meditate for the first time, or maybe even the 50th time. And, you're trying to sit and let your mind be calm and clear. And if you listen to guidance, then often, you know, it's this idea of trying to let your mind be calm, but knowing and understanding and accepting that thoughts are swirling through. And many people describe the experience of, you know, I tried to sit and meditate. I tried to, uh, you know, sit and be calm and everyone said that would be good for me, but I just had all these thoughts and I just couldn't sit still. I couldn't empty my brain. I couldn't focus. And, you know, there's this sense that something must be wrong there, but really, uh, you know, that is just a person becoming aware of the sheer number of thoughts that they have and nothing, nothing has gone wrong. But again, you know, as I observe, you know, what's going on in my son, again, as he's sort of hitting this pre-teenage age, it just really brought to my attention the importance of understanding that not all of the thoughts going through our head are very accurate. Not all of them are very helpful. And so I want to talk today about three reasons why it's a good idea to question your thoughts. And I want to come at this from the perspective of trying to be helpful and not us trying to gaslight ourselves, because that, of course, is not very helpful, but really to just come into more awareness of some of the reasons why our thoughts may not be accurate or helpful, and just give us this permission, if you will, to sit back and become more of an observer of your thoughts. So reason number one, why I believe you need to question your thoughts is that your brain receives a tremendous amount of input. You think about all the information that comes to you through your senses, through things that you see and observe, through words that people have said out loud or things that you have read or you know, heard somebody say on TV or the radio. Um, you know, the sheer amount of information, both, you know, evidence, data, you know, observable fact-based things, as well as, you know, other people's thoughts and opinions, the sheer amount that comes to us is enormous. And of course, as we receive the information, we are instantaneously processing it and interpreting it, trying to make meaning of it. When we think about this in kids, you know, it's been said that kids are great observers and poor interpreters of what they see, right? So they may, um, you know, hear a grown up give them some kind of rule about what they can and can't do. And they might interpret that rule means that they're, 
you know, that they're not able to be trusted, that they're not a good person, um, you know, that these rules need to be in place because they need to be controlled. Or if, again, if somebody doesn't want to play with them, that that automatically means that that person doesn't like them as opposed to, you know, that, that other person just not wanting to play right now or not wanting to play that game or whatever, whatever it may be. So just as kids are sometimes not very accurate interpreters of, you know, the information they are observing, we as adults, of course, can also be poor interpreters of what we're seeing. And when you consider, even if we're relatively accurate and reliable interpreters, you know, if we are observing hundreds of thousands of, you know, pieces of data through the things that we see and things we're reading and hearing and, you know, trying to make sense of, then of course there are just going to be some mistakes. There are going to be some things that we interpret that we don't get right. And so having some awareness that not every thought that we have is going to be accurate or helpful really helps to just kind of normalize the fact that not all our thoughts are true. Reason number two, why it's really helpful to question your thoughts is to remember that your brain is, you know, wired at a deep primitive level for safety, conservation of energy and pleasure. So when we really think about that primitive brain, you know, that reactive emotional center, it is looking to do those things to keep us safe, which includes, um, you know, not wanting to rile up others and not wanting to be kicked out of the herd of other humans, right? We, we have a deep need to belong. We want to conserve our energy, right? We we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And so we're not going to go on a fun run if we might need to hunt a tiger tomorrow to have for dinner. And our brains want us to, uh, you know, have a lot of pleasure. So, you know, sex became a pleasurable experience in order to promote uh, reproduction of the species. Um, if we find a bush full of ripe, delicious berries, you know, we have a pleasure of eating the sweet berries so that we, you know, will necessarily take in more energy, especially during times of harvest and times of plenty. So there are very deep levels in which our brain is wired for these things. And a lot of it is around short-term gains when we think about our modern life. So in our big long-term picture, you may have some specific goals for your professional development, for your personal life, um, you know, for your health and well-being, right? So perhaps you want to try for a promotion. Perhaps you are trying to lose weight or improve your cardiovascular fitness or just stop eating as much sugar or drinking as much wine. You have these long-term goals, which your prefrontal cortex, you know, this complex human, uh, you know, higher level thinking part of your brain, uh, you know, has these goals and you have these deeper, more primitive levels that often are running really counter to the goal, right? So if you have the goal of, you know, I don't think it's such a great idea that I'm drinking two glasses of wine every night. I don't think that's good for me. 
And you have this deep innate wiring that says, Hey, I like the way I feel when I drink wine. Then those two systems are at odds with each other. And it's very easy to receive subconscious messages from our deep primitive brain that are running against changes that we want to make, right? Because change is hard and the brain resists change. The primitive brain resists change, right? It wants to stay safe, conserve energy and enhance pleasure. And so if you don't question some of those, you know, those primitive reactive urge related thoughts to, nah, I don't want to exercise. Nah, I definitely want to, you know, eat the cookies because I love cookies. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to sit here and scroll on my phone instead of work on my presentation for tomorrow. It, you know, if you don't question those thoughts, if you just believe them as true, then of course you don't make progress on things that you would like to be doing for your long-term goals. Finally, reason number three, why it's important and helpful to learn to question your thoughts is that when we can create a space between, uh, you know, a stimulus of some kind, some kind of thing that's happening, whether that's something somebody has said or something that we've observed, we can create a little bit of space between that and our response. We are able to be less reactive. We are able to be, you know, better in our emotional intelligence, in our, um, you know, ability to, you know, slow down and really process information that other people are presenting to us. And I think, you know, many of us understand that when there is a space between that stimulus and the response, right? When we are less reactive, we are more in alignment with the way that we want to show up in the world. When we are constantly reacting to things, when we're yelling, when we're, you know, short with our kids, when <clears throat> people are, you know, talking at work and we're instantly irritable and say, no, nope, we can't do that. We are not in alignment usually with how we want to show up in the world. So when you get used to questioning your thoughts and information comes in, you are able to give a little bit of space to those thoughts and consider more carefully how you want to respond. And ultimately your response may be the same, but perhaps you're able to communicate it in a way that is more effective than yelling. Of course, yelling does have its place, right? There are times when we do want to be reactive and that's why we have the wiring. The wiring is there to keep our brain safe, but most of the time in modern day society, the things that we're reacting to are of course not truly dangerous to our health and well-being, right? Um, you know, people saying stuff that we don't like uh, may feel like it's dangerous, but it isn't actually threatening our life and limb. It may just be annoying us or we don't like it. So those are the three reasons why it's important to start learning to question your thoughts. So one, uh, that your brain is interpreting huge amounts of data and it's not always going to get it right. And so it's helpful to be able to pause and question, hmm, is that information true? Two, your brain is wired at a primitive level towards safety, conservation of energy and pleasure. And when you are used to believing your thoughts 
around your urges and responding to them and, you know, not making progress on your long-term goals, uh, you're not, you're not really being helped. You're not being served. You're not going to be able to make habit changes stick. And then finally, you know, thinking about living in a way that is less reactive, uh, less chaotic, uh, less chaotic, excuse me, less sort of jumping on, um, you know, immediately reacting to what others are saying in a way that doesn't really help to promote healthy communication that, um, you know, isn't really uh, focused on a cooperative response. So if this sounds like something that is important to you, I invite you to consider starting a practice. Some call it a thought download, others call it a brain dump, others call it stream of consciousness writing, but it's a simple exercise where you commit on a regular basis, whether that's daily or, um, you know, kind of as needed as it were, where you sit and you spend five minutes writing down all the thoughts in your brain, just writing without judgment, without editing, just thinking of getting down all of the thoughts. If you're doing this on a daily basis, it's, you know, helpful just to have that regular practice and really be able to tune in to the thoughts that you're having regularly. If you're using it more as an as needed tool, it can be very helpful when you feel a little confused, a little anxious, a little overwhelmed or stressed in some way, and you're, you're really struggling, you know, sitting down, spending a few minutes, just kind of dumping out your thoughts is a really good way to, you know, identify what sounds like a good idea. What am I reacting to suddenly? You know, what am I afraid of? Uh, you know, what's really causing this feeling of confusion or overwhelm here? What is my brain feeding me? What are, you know, the beliefs that I'm kind of stuck in? Um, this practice has been very, very helpful for me and so many others, because it really allows us to, you know, see the variety of thoughts and, you know, kind of analyze the quality of them a little bit. Not all the thoughts that we have, as I said, are true. Not all of the thoughts are very helpful. And when you can do this practice, you know, somewhat regularly, you can really start to gain that awareness. And that's really the first step to being able to better understand, uh, you know, your thoughts and feelings and how those two things are related and to be able to just be more aware of yourself and your own emotional state in a way that's really supportive of you being more present, more calm, uh, less reactive, you know, better in communication with others and better in understanding your own needs. And I don't think anybody would argue with me that all of those things can be immensely helpful. So just imagine what having this kind of a practice could do for you, especially if you're, you know, living in a place where you're frequently feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling burned out, you're feeling exhausted, and you feel like you're kind of at the mercy of your emotions. When you start to really be able to understand your thought patterns, you really decrease some of the frenetic energy. You really become aware of some of the beliefs that you are living under that aren't very helpful. We call those limiting beliefs. 
you improve your communication with others, you improve your impulse control, and ultimately you really decrease stress and anxiety. This is, you know, some of the work that I do one-on-one with my clients as well as in my group. And it's so simple, but something that most of us weren't really taught or educated in how to do. And, you know, when we come to this, especially in sort of our, our middle-aged years, uh, as it were, you know, it's really an opportunity to decrease our, you know, existential angst and stress levels and begin to see, you know, the value of living from a, you know, more self-kindness, more self-awareness, more self-compassion in terms of just enjoying our experience of life better. And of course, you know, improved relationships with other people. So I hope that you will consider some kind of practice that allows you to start questioning some of your thoughts. Again, this is not meant to gaslight ourselves or to, you know, say that we're wrong and we shouldn't be confident. It's really just to gain more self-awareness and to be better tuned in to our own sort of emotional state so that we can be more present with ourselves and with other people and really increase our own emotional awareness and our own emotional intelligence. Uh, It's really quite powerful stuff. If this um, appeals to you and you are looking to have some help with this, I am happy to announce that I will be running another round of my group called Healing Perfectionism in Physicians. This will be the second round starting in fall of 2022. And we really take a deep dive into, you know, different aspects of our lived experience in terms of our tendencies towards anxiety and perfectionism and self-doubt and, you know, living in a place of scarcity and supposed to. And as we, you know, sort of unroot, if you will, or uproot uh, some of those beliefs, we're really able to tap into better self-compassion, creativity, calm, and stillness, and play. And so many of those, you know, more helpful emotional states that often feel like they get turned off when we're living in a place of high stress, you know, high expectations on ourselves, that perfectionist habit um, that can be so toxic and really create a difficult experience, uh, you know, especially for, um, you know, caring professionals and others who do, you know, work in service of other human beings. So if you are interested, I invite you to check out my website. I'll have links to um, the website in the show notes, uh, but we'll be starting uh uh, um, excuse me, the wait list, uh, and starting the next round, uh, in September of 2022. And I, if you are a physician and you're interested in that, I would be so happy if you would join me for that. Um, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, I would be so happy if you would uh, go into your podcast uh, app of choice and leave me a rating and a review that helps others to be able to find the podcast so that they too can be helped uh, by my words. And of course, feel free to share this uh, with your friends and colleagues. Have a wonderful rest of your day and until next week. 
Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Ending Physician Overwhelm. If you've learned something today or felt moved, please share this episode with a colleague and be sure to like and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode yourself. If you'd like to know more about me and my coaching practice, you can find more information at www.healthierforgood.com. Until next time, take care.